Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. If you got your Bible, turn to the book of Acts. And who knows, I might share a little bit about God's great mercy to me and to my family. Hey, we're going to believe God for miracles, signs, and wonders today. God's healing power, God's restoration power, God's ability to turn things around that seem like they won't turn. We've been fasting and praying for 21 days, and in various ways, shapes, and forms, we've all participated in setting aside this or that, and once again... I've come to the conclusion that my body, my flesh, is super strong and demands its own way. Anybody encounter that over the last 21 days? Wow! What an awful thing. And how, how in the midst of fasting, you have these thoughts that happen that you know, to try to get sidetracked or derail you in the midst of your commitment, right? That happened to anybody? Probably only me. Probably just me. I told uh, this morning that my wife and I decided these last however many days we were going to do liquids only these last few days. These, uh, this, these injuries that happened to me kind of had to shift some things in my fast, but these last few days we did liquids. And on the day we decided we're going to do liquids, I had a care package show up in the mail <laughs> from, from your mom, who's been praying for me, and she might be on right now, and, and uh, is concerned about me improving from the fall that I had. And lo and behold, inside there, were these, a stack, not one, a stack of these Lily's chocolate bars that I seem to have problems with. I know that you don't have problems like I do, but I have problems with chocolate. Maybe you have other problems, but I have chocolate problems. Anybody else here, you got chocolate problems? Thank God for chocolate. But I had made a decision. Now, here I am being tested. Anybody ever, has anybody had this happen to them over the last 20, 21 days? Father, I'm, gonna, I'm going to fast T-bone steaks, medium rare, right off the grill. And somebody will call you up. Hey, we're having a cookout over at my house, man. T-bone steaks. You guys want to come over? <sighs> and then, then in the midst of a hardcore fast, you find yourself being ugly to people. Here you are doing this spiritual journey, growing closer with God, and your physical body is in such a deprived mode that you just growl at everybody. Father, help us. What are we made out of? What is this? Yeah. Thank God it's over today. You might be continuing. continuing. Some people go on to another week or whatever. God bless you. I'm not. The countdown started several days ago with my children. There's like this invisible calendar that they just kind of know. The end is coming. They got their Sour Patch kids lined up. Hey, praise the Lord. Is anybody glad to be here today? God's going to do some amazing things among us. If you want somebody to pray with you and believe God with you for miracles, today's your day. Even those of you that are online, we're going to believe God's power released. After I declare the word of the Lord here, we're going to move into a time of prayer. And our pastors, our ministers are going to pray. And to the best of my ability, I'm going to 
move around up here and pray. What happened to you, Pastor Kirsten? What happened? <sighs> so embarrassing. I've got some broken ribs, and I, I, I really messed up my knee and my shoulder, but nothing hurts worse than my ego. I was at the... I was at the doctor, and I, they're asking me about all these things that are hurting, and I said, well, you didn't ask me anything about how my pride hurts. On a scale of 1 to 10, how does your knee feel today? 10. Ask me about my ego. 27. So shame. Uh, what are we doing? Acts. Chapter 3. You got your Bible? When whatever form it is, I'm a paper Bible guy. I write in it. I mark in it. I go back and look at it. I, I just can't do that on those apps very well. It's kind of hard. Acts chapter 3. So, if you are familiar with maybe watching a television show series, you know, it kind of continues the story every week after week or something. Uh, Acts 3 and 4, most of chapter 4, would probably be one episode. It's one continuous thread of what happened when this guy was healed. And Acts chapter 3 begins with the famous story, if you've never read it, you should read it, of Peter and John, the gate beautiful, and they say to someone, silver and gold I don't have, what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk, the guy rises up and walk, people freak out, and then we get to what we're going to read today, which is what I really believe the Lord is saying to us on this miracle service into the fast. A number of things. But the story isn't over just because the guy jumps up and dances around and everybody's excited. There's much more to the story. And Peter, Peter gives a short discourse that God wants us to hear today and to to receive deep inside us and digest and make it part of our faith. And I want to communicate it as best I can, like the Lord has put it in me to communicate. So we're going to read a number of scriptures and look at some different parts of this, this episode, if you will, of what Peter says, what happens to him, and what's just plainly obvious in the realm of this miracle that happened. So would you stand one more time, and I'm going to read just our opening text, and then we're going to pray. Acts 3, and I'm going to start with verse 11. I'm reading from the NIV, and I failed to get the media team my notes, and I'm sorry for that. So Acts 3, 11, and I'm Preaching from the NIV says, While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. Somebody say, Jesus. Jesus. That's right. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, 
But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. We'll read a little more. Let's pray. Father, we, we need your help to hear, to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying tonight. Lord, in, in the way you made me, I pray, God, you help me to communicate what it is you put inside me. May the word of the Lord bring forth the releasing of your power here. As we look at Peter's response, oh God, would you help us tonight? Help me. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So this miracle happens. Peter and John speak to this man. He's miraculously healed. We find out a little later in the story he'd been there for a really long time. In fact, they made a big deal about it. It was one of the points that why they couldn't refute Peter and John is because the man sitting there was over 40 years old. What they were saying there was that he'd been there probably his whole life. It'd been identified by sitting at this gate. Thousands upon thousands of people had passed him by, saw him. They all knew him. The whole city was aware of who he was. They recognized him. And when they saw him stand up, their mouths were agape. Way more than my son when he opened the violin. And there it is. They couldn't believe it. You've got to be kidding me. That guy was healed? So they came running at Peter and John. And the beggar was hanging on to them. Everyone is so astonished by what has happened. The beggar is hanging on to them, the man who is healed. And so this crowd surrounds Peter and John. And that's the setting that we find for Peter's response. And it's Peter's response that I want us to hear today. I've been anticipating Miracle Sunday since the first day we started the fast. I love this Sunday where our anticipation is high and our commitment level is coming to a, a, a climax in our fast and faith is high and expectation is high. I love this atmosphere. And I want us to hear what Peter says very clearly. So he's looking at the crowd and they're all looking at him. Look at the words he says right here. Verse 12, when Peter saw this, what is it he saw? Their astonishment and they're looking at him. They're marveling at Peter and John. And Peter has the most amazing response and humble response. They're all looking at him in a worshipfulness. I can't believe you just did that. Wow, how did you do that, right? Who are they looking at? They're looking at Peter. And Peter's very first response is, you're looking at the wrong person. I love that. And there's so much to this. So let's start looking at that. What exactly did Peter say? Look at verse 12. Peter saw this. He said, men of Israel, so he's talking to his fellow Jews, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us? As if by your own power, our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. Peter goes right at their astonishment and their amazement and chops off their marveling at man. That's so astonishing to me because Peter could have very easily have said, right here, you saw me do that. That, that's right. I said the words silver and gold. That was me. But he doesn't do that. He puts the focus on 
Jesus. That's so important in a revelation of this miracle here that he puts the focus on Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. There's often times that we can so easily think and, and, and perceive that miracles are happening because of a man and not Jesus. It's easy for us to get our perspective off of Jesus and onto whoever it might be that's praying for people or prayed for you and something happened. I want to talk about that just for a minute because Peter immediately, immediately addresses their rush to glorify man in the working of this miracle. Peter brings to our attention that the working of miracle is not man's working. It's the working of Jesus. And even on this day that we have been anticipating, there's going to be miracles happen here. There's going to be miracles happen after today. There's going to be things that happen online. And you know who it's from? It's from Jesus. Can you say his name with me again? Jesus. He's the focus. He's the one that makes things happen. Again, one more time. Where are you at? That's right. We're going to get to the kids in just a second. Not our power or our godliness is what he says to them. You know, we, we in our humanness have a tendency to try to break, especially me, okay? This is like I'm going to be really transparent here. I know it doesn't apply to anyone else in the room just me. But I am as analytical as they could possibly come. Just ask my wife. I drive her insane. I know God does miracles because she's still sitting here. But I'm super analytical. And there is a tendency in many of us to try to break down how did this happen and turn it into a science of somehow where one plus one equals two, and if I do this, this, and this, I'm going to get this every time. We kind of think that way sometimes. In fact, we take that, and maybe we don't even say it out loud, but sometimes there's something in us that sees there's supposed to be a formula to the releasing of miracles, signs, and wonders. Peter addresses it, but let's talk about what Peter says first. He says, not our power or our godliness. He's going right at their desire to try to figure out what was it in them that they did to make this happen. Instead of them looking at Jesus and glorifying Jesus. We do this. There are times we think God can't possibly move because Minister Micah didn't sing my favorite song. I'm going to wait till he sings the slow song. And we, we think there's actually a formula to that. Pastor Daniel didn't wear his red shoes, so God's probably not going to do any miracles tonight. Wow. It's a bummer. Are you ready to go? Oh, Pastor Daniel's not preaching tonight. God's probably not going to do very much. Only God, only God would do miracles through Pastor Daniel. You know, there's people that fly all over the world to follow a preacher. What is it they got their eyes on? That's a good question. Somebody took my seat. That's the holy seat. If you sit in that seat, Pastor Daniel's going to give you a prophetic word every time you come. So people race to get that seat. Hey, I'm just telling you the way we really think sometimes. Maybe you don't say it out loud, but you think it because you act on it. So do I. I'm so analytical sometimes, I miss what God's really doing because I'm breaking something down in my brains or what's left of them. You know, there's a part of us that thinks there should be a science to miracles, signs, and wonders. What's really happening is we're, we're making a shift from the miracle maker Jesus to methods and repetitions 
We can't do that. That's not how miracles work. Miracles don't work like that. The releasing of God's power through his word was never based on a repetition of some tradition. In fact, Jesus made those tradition-filled people so angry because he would step all over their traditions and say, you're missing it. And what's really happening is, you know, if you get into that kind of mind frame where, where you think, uh, Will you follow a, a man instead of the king of kings as you've moved your worship to idolatry? We can even put, we can even make an idol of how and when we think Jesus should do something. That can be an idol. I asked Jesus to heal me. He didn't heal me when I wanted him to. Wait a minute. We've missed something right there. We've made an assumption about Jesus based on our own idea of how it should happen. I have no explanations for how and when Jesus will do any miracles. But Jesus tells us what we can do. And we're going to, I mean, Peter tells us what we can do. We'll look at it in just a minute. In fact, <clears throat> this this shift to worshiping a man and the way he does things instead of worshiping Jesus can even affect up-and-coming young ministers who think if they'll just do what that preacher guy does, then the same fruitfulness will come in their life. So they'll dress the same. If you're wanting the same fruitfulness, fruitfulness in my life, it's not the shoes I'm wearing. It's not whether or not I have my belt lined up right down the middle. Sometimes I don't. Uh-oh, Pastor Kirsten don't have his belt lined up. Miracle working power has ceased at King's. I was young in uh, ministry. My wife and I had joined the team at King's. And uh, our mentor wanted us to try to do ministry to kids the way he did that, which was fruitful and outstanding. But I couldn't do it. I tried. I was terrible. He did like illusions and manic... What is it called? Ventriloquism. I about said mannequins. That's the people... Hey, kids, watch this. <laughs> wrong one. Sorry about that. Got it wrong. I couldn't do that. I could only be me. And, and, and then there's people that have seen fruitfulness in our lives and think if they'll be exactly like Pastor Kirsten and Kimmy, then they can have the same fruitfulness. You know, God made you you. You need your own shtick. That's a real word. Your own way of doing things, your own experience, and your walk out your own calling and let the giftings that God has given you. Jesus didn't have a pattern to his miracles. Let's talk about some. One, he spit in somebody's eyes. For all of you that need healing tonight, we uh, do we have a designated spitter for those of you that think that's the only way? We'll have somebody over here. And those of you that are putting your faith into how he did it, you can line up over here and get spit at. Because that's where your faith really is. It's not in Jesus, it's in how he did it. You can't look at that. That can't be the object of your worship. Um, Jesus, was. Uh, some of his miracles were astounding. One time he had to pray for somebody twice. Jesus, the Son of God, fully God, fully man, prayed for someone. They weren't totally healed. Had to pray again. They had to contend for a healing. Uh, some of his miracles happened because somebody obeyed what he said. Some of, them, some of the miracles happened when he wasn't even there. He simply said a word, and miles away, something happened. 
Some of them, he didn't do anything. It was the faith of someone else engaged that brought about a miracle. Someone dropped, some friends dropped a man that was crippled through a roof. It was their faith that made him whole. The woman had to press through the crowd and hope nobody would see her and touch Jesus. He didn't do anything. She drew power out from him. You can't be a worshiper of those things. Those are just methods. If that was the way miracles happen, we would have everyone gather in the middle. And if you really need a miracle, you're going to have to crawl through everybody up to the front. And then you can have a miracle. We don't worship the method. We worship Jesus. Can you say his name with me again? Jesus. Peter is responding to their idea that somehow Peter and John brought about the miracle. It was Jesus. There's no explanation to what Jesus in his releasing of power will address and won't address. I have no explanation for that. But I have some amazing stories. You can see I wear glasses. I can't hardly see without them. A few years ago, I went to go get a new prescription and I they do all these tests. You're probably familiar with it. If you wear glasses, you know, you go take all these tests. They shoot air in your face. They, they scan things. They make you read color books, which I can't do. I fail miserably. They're like, what number do you see? I, I don't see any numbers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've done those little ones. Do you see a 21 or a 7? I see a bunch of blue. So I'm getting these tests done, and I, I, uh, the, they come back with some results, and they say to me, it looks like you've got glaucoma. What? What is that? Well, it's a slowly going blind condition. And if the doctor makes a declaration on my record that I have glaucoma, it, it can never be taken off. It's now going to affect my driver's license, any insurance thing. It's going to affect my life for the rest. But she says to me, I don't really want to say you have it. It's so close to yes and no. Let's wait six months. You come back in six months. We're going to take a whole, all these tests all over again, including the little clicker test. Has anybody done the thing where you stick your head in the... <clears throat> I tried to cheat it. The lady says, stop, stop, stop. You're just clicking it. <laughs> Anybody else try that? I know how to get all the right dots. Got them. She wouldn't let me do that. She made me start all over. So I went back after the six months to do the clicker things again, and they get the results. And the lady says the exact same thing to me. I, I just don't want to say you have glaucoma. I can't just say that yet. Why don't you come back in another six months? So I'm like, oh, Lord, am I going blind? I don't know what's happening here. I would come to prayer and I would lay hands on my eyes. You might remember that. I would stand here like this. Oh, God, Jesus, you're my healer. Heal my eyes. I would have other people come by, poke me in the eye. Here, pray for me. <laughs> pray for my eyes. We'd have my kids pray for my eyes. So I went back again. Here we are. I hate that thing. I don't ever want to do that again. So now it's been a year. I go back and I take the clicker test. I got every one of them. And the lady says, you have no signs of glaucoma. I don't understand this. It's like you have new eyes. It's amazing. God healed me, but I still have to use glasses. Why? And they're bifocals. Come on, Jesus. Can't you do like an, a total eye replacement here? Why not the other pieces? Heal my color blindness. I want to see colors. Well, he healed my glaucoma. I'm thankful. Or the potential glaucoma. It's gone. I don't have to worry about it. 
Thank God. God healed me. I can't explain why the other pieces weren't healed. That's up to Jesus. My focus is Jesus. Hey, let's talk about what Peter did say. So Peter, moving on, I'm going to kind of move around here a little bit. Look at verse 16. I'm going to come back to the fill-in part in just a minute. Verse 16, he tells us and all those that are astonished, here's what you're looking for. It's not me. Listen to this. Says, verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see. What does he do? He gives the only formula that will ever work. It's faith in the name of Jesus. Not just saying his name like it's a magic wand that you're going to you know, wave over your wish list. But the name of Jesus. Faith in the name of Jesus. And the faith that comes through Jesus. That's what brought it about. That's what you're really looking for. That's what our attention should be on and always be on. Regardless of who's praying for you or if all the lights are working or if Minister Micah does or doesn't play your favorite song, the, the, the song is not the power of God to heal you. It sets the atmosphere. It helps us enter into worship. What was it that healed him? Faith in the name of Jesus. Can you say that with me? Faith in the name of Jesus. There's going to be miracles happen here today. There's going to be miracles happen that started with a prayer here and get worked out over time. Maybe some contending like my eyes. It took a year. There's going to be miracles happen today online. Could happen even just while I'm preaching the word. And it's going to be through the faith of the name of Jesus. It's going to be Jesus. I want to give you just a, a quick illustration of what we mean by faith in the name of Jesus. Because it isn't just simply saying his name like it's a password to get what you want. Or like it's like I said, like it's some sort of magic words that you recite so that you can get whatever you want. The name of Jesus doesn't work like that. There were people in the Bible who clearly tried that. Anybody recognize the story of these men that tried to cast out some demons and said, oh, 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 yeah, by the way, Jesus, who they didn't know, had no relationship with, and thought it was just a magic word to throw out there. The demons beat them senseless and sent them running. So... That clearly tells us that it's not just a name that you just say. There's something else to it. And there's something else in operating in the power of Jesus' name. And I want to give you an illustration. I have a precious treasure right here. Could you come help me for just a moment? Wow, she's helped me so much. She's taken good care of me. She's brought me ice waters while I've been hurt. And she's brought me my house shoes and my blanket. And she's prayed for me. Wow, powerful prayers. This is my youngest daughter, and her name is Eliana. And she is the cherry on top of our family. And she's... Uh, you know, she's a little on the, maybe you want to say dainty side. She's getting taller, but you know, her stature is not the superb physique that mine is. <laughs> well, I have my oldest son right over here. Come, come help me, son, who thinks he's taller than me. <laughs> Counting on that to help. I'm going to throw out my other ribs, trying to make him shorter. You know what? We have a phenomenon in our house. I know you don't have anything like this with kids. But there are moments where mom and dad are just like, 
All right, the day's over. Can you go get your brother, please? Because I don't. Two, two secret stash. So if we are trying to get the attention of, let's say, Easton, fine young man, Easton, I'm going to need, I need him to go feed the pigs. We raise pigs in the summer and I need him to go take care of the pigs, make sure they got water and stuff. Did you know that I can send the dainty, small, young, and youngest, mousiest, voicest, frail little Eliana. I can send her delicate, thank you, petite and delicate. I can send her and tell her, tell Easton, dad said, go feed the pigs. And Eliana can go right up there. Does that look bad? I was like imitating. I might throw out the rest of my body doing that. So she can tiptoe up there and in her precious little voice, she can say to this much stronger young man with a deep manly voice who's doing whatever he's doing upstairs, who has no intention of going to feed the pigs, who doesn't want to go out and get in the mud and smell like the pigs. He doesn't want to go out there. The pigs stink. They bite everything. If you fall down, they're going to bite you. And they make poo. He doesn't want to go out there to do that. But this little precious treasure, if she just says, Dad said, now he has to respond to the authority that Dad said so. When you use the name of Jesus and you're praying, you are speaking to sickness and disease and infirmities and bondages and defilement and you're telling it, Dad said. You're not just saying anybody's name. You're saying the name above every name. The name of Jesus. And in the same way that she can, that in the same way that she can say, Dad said, and the big 16-year-old has to get up and move. You can say to every issue that you're facing and the mountains that you're facing and the things that you're wanting to overcome, in Jesus' name. What a powerful name. Chicken skin all over me. You can say, in the name of Jesus. Are you wanting me to use that one? Do you want me to use that one? Crickets. Crickets. Dad said, What a powerful concept. Peter, in the midst of this, points to the greatest miracle possible that could take place. It wasn't the man getting up, his physical body was certainly affected. But he puts the attention on the greatest miracle that could possibly happen to these people that were with Peter. So the man's healed. He says, you're looking at the wrong person. And by the way, let me tell you about the greatest thing that can happen to you. So in verses 13 and 14, I want you to look, listen to his words real quick. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. Wow, what finger pointing. Peter, in response to them gathering around, 
immediately starts pointing the finger at them and saying, you're the ones who accomplished the greatest crime in the history of mankind. There is not a crime greater than the, than the killing of the Son of God, who was innocent in all accounts. They tried him, found him guilty. Pilate wanted to let him go. The crowd says, no, give us the murderer and kill the Son of God. He took upon him all the sin of the world. It was the greatest crime this world has ever seen or heard of. And it was these men and their brothers that brought it about. And he points the finger at them. No one could be guilty of anything more than them. Maybe you think you've done some bad things. They were guilty of killing the Son of God who came to give them life more abundantly. They rejected Him. They abused Him. They cheerfully cheered on every, every portion of His crucifixion and then high-fived each other when it was over. Now what does He say to them? You can be forgiven. And you can receive what Jesus did for you. They're guilty of the greatest crime ever. And Peter says to them something more astounding than a physical healing could ever be. You can have your sins forgiven. You can repent of what you did and receive what Jesus has for you. And God will give you times of refreshing. That is amazing. Look what he says in verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Wiped out. Are you serious? I've committed the greatest crime there could ever be. And my sins could be wiped out? That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And that he's going to send Jesus back for you. What an astounding miracle. Something that the outside could never happen. But the inside could be cleansed, delivered, set free. And the promise of eternal life. No matter what happens today when we take time to pray. There is nothing more miraculous than a sinner turning to Jesus and being cleansed of everything that separates them from God. It is the greatest miracle that you could ever have happen to you. And don't get sidetracked into thinking that, that somehow if God hasn't answered your prayer for healing or a miracle, that somehow He doesn't love you. Or that somehow you're not good enough to make His list of miracles tonight. Or any time. That is not the right way to see it. That's the wrong perspective. He's already given you the most miraculous gift you could ever receive if you'll receive it. That you could stand before Him with nothing ashamed of. How miraculous could it be? You haven't lived with me my whole life. There's things I don't want to tell anyone there's things I've told her my whole story, my whole life. I would never tell you. I would be so embarrassed and so shamed. But I get to stand before the living God with Jesus' blood washed over me and my sins forgiven. My ribs are broken. My eyes don't work right. I can't see colors. I've lost my voice most of the time from doing so many puppet shows. But there is a miracle that my physical body can't compare to. It's my soul saved. Don't miss the value of what Jesus did for you. I am all for physical miracles. I'm going to believe God for some tonight myself. But something has happened to me that a physical miracle can't compare to. It's the salvation of my soul. The eternal part of me has a promise of heaven 
No one can take it away from me. No mandates, no government mandates, no no depravity in any way can take away the promise I have of heaven. Don't take lightly what Jesus has done for you and somehow equate what he's done for your salvation with whether or not he's healed your body. It's not on the same level. You have received and can receive something way better than physical healing. And he's already given you the promise that when you see him in eternity, you will have a new body that doesn't have the issues that this one does. And I know you don't have as much issues as I do. I got issues. I got tendencies. I've got a weak, sinful nature that wants its own way. One day I'm going to get to stand before God and this flesh with all of its issues will be gone. And on that day, the, the, the reality of what Jesus has really done for me will be, will be exposed before me. And nothing else that happens on this earth, good, bad, or ugly, will be able to compare with fully knowing what Jesus has done for me by allowing me to simply repent with my words and turn my heart away from sin. It's the greatest miracle you can ever have. I was up very early this morning. It's just what happens to me on Sundays. It just happens. I was up very early. And I couldn't, be, I couldn't help but think, Jesus, that my mind is healed. I don't have a broken mind. I don't have broken emotions, broken heart anymore. And that one day, I will have a body that won't be broken. I'm, I'm waiting for it. But the greatest thing is that my heart is free from sin. And I can stand in front of God not embarrassed and ashamed of sin. And so can you. So can you. You can receive. Those of you online, you can receive the greatest miracle. This is miracle service. At the end of our fast, make sure you don't miss the greatest miracle that could happen to you. That you receive Jesus as your Lord. And you receive what he's done for you. Because there is nothing greater. Peter points at that. That's what he makes the whole thing about. Their crimes can be turned around and they can be forgiven. That's what Peter makes it about. He doesn't give any more attention to what happened to the crippled man. He goes right at the greatest thing that could happen to them. It could happen for you. The rule makers get really angry with Peter and John. The religious leaders who like boxes and rules and it can only happen this way and how in the world did you do this? And so they arrest Peter and John and they throw them in jail. This is one continuing story. And this is the last part I want to bring out. Because we find some qualifications here for someone to be used by God in the realm of seeing his power released. And they're asking Peter and John, what's going on here? This is the religious leaders, the people who fall rigidly follow rules. And if, it, if it's not one of the rules, it can't be right. You're you're, you're, you're breaking the rules here. And, and uh, they respond to him. Verse 9, chapter 4, verse 9. You can look at it with me. We're going to start praying in just a moment. Minister Micah, if you could come. Thank you, Minister Micah. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, and are you and are asked how he was healed then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but who God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And they, look at this, they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized Look at this. They were unschooled. 
ordinary men. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. What was their qualifications for seeing this man rise up and walk? They had been with Jesus. It's all Jesus. It wasn't a method. It wasn't something we can, you know, do day by day to make sure we're doing exactly what they did. And it can only happen at three in the afternoon because that's when this miracle happened. We're not, we're not here to make a, a science out of this miracle. We're here to glorify Jesus. And Jesus is going to do miracles for you. Today, Jesus is going to do miracles. My simple words, your simple prayer, it's the power of Jesus. By faith in the name of Jesus. Look one more time here, and then we're going to start in our time of prayer. If you look back at chapter 3, verse 16, we find the, the key. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see was and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see. My little eight-year-old can pray for somebody tonight and they could be miraculously healed. You know why? Faith in the name of Jesus. You could intercede and stand in the gap for someone who desperately needs a miracle in their life. And God will respond. Ordinary, unschooled men, but they had been with Jesus. Faith in the name Jesus and the faith that comes from Him. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's Word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska Podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you.